Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I remember one of the first times that I went to Sunday service, um, and I was pretty nervous because I was like, oh, you got to meditate for a really long time. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I think it's always harder, like the anticipation of meditating for a long time than mm-hmm. the actual meditation itself. Mm-hmm. But I remember like in the middle of the meditation, somebody tapped my shoulder and they said, Doku-san? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And, um, That's a weird thing to do. Yeah, so uh, they're like, do you want to talk to a sensei? And I was like, about what? And I was like, <laughs> very confused. Um, but I think I did go that that first time. And, you know, I had, I had some questions about, like, should you sit through the pain? Or should you stop, you know, meditating if you're feeling in pain? And, of course, I, I have come to realize that, like, yeah, you should try to, but obviously, like, I think it is a personal question of, like, your own body and what you can take and if you're injuring it or not. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, I haven't done a lot of dokusans because I sometimes wonder, like, what am I supposed to talk about? Um, do I have to come up with these profound questions uh, before I I talk with sensei and... um Stuff like that. So, but I know that you do Dokusan regularly, mm-hmm. and um, I figured people might have questions about that. Uh, so, I just wanted to ask you um, first off, what are some things that you and Sensei talk about in Dokusan? And what is Dokusan? I mean, well, I guess yeah, I'd never a, even just, I, I never even said what it was. I just yeah. said, oh, I didn't really know. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, Dokusan is a face-to-face meeting with the teacher. Uh, it's a long-standing Buddhist tradition, and the Zen flavor of it is one of the things that is most definitive of Zen practice life to me. I understand that it doesn't seem to be something as essential as Zazen to many people and many, many Zen practitioners, yourself included, uh, don't have Dokusan as a central feature of their practice. And many Zen students don't have individual teachers that they could meet with and, and, and have Dokusan even if they wanted to. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't really think of it as separate from my daily practice at all. It's the opportunity to, have a genuine encounter with 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 what's outside of my own experience in practice and that seems to me to be what a teacher is for is to be to be the uh the the manifestation of something that couldn't possibly be something i'm making up for myself you know uh, another another point of view and it's something that I do every week. And, and it was one of, the, one of the things I was seeking out by joining a sangha at all was that sort of mm. audience with someone who's been doing this a long time 
and can defuse any of the ticking time bombs of uh the of the traps and delusions and neuroses of my practice and mm-hmm. so that's what he does with me and then, but there's there's so much yeah i could i could come up with i could list things we talk about but they only kind of come up by accident the well sure the the thing the thing that i would really say that we do is try and figure out how to be in each other's presence and it's it's this it's this because of the openness that we have to the process and to the understanding that we have of each other and why we're engaged in this process there are way fewer inhibitions in talking face to face than there are with most people i talk to face to face one on one and inhibitions yeah about what to talk about or what can what's allowed to come out or uh or or what or you know what the point really is and we just tunnel down and down and down until we're talking about uh well until the words are sort of secondary pointing at you know until the finger pointing at the moon drops away and the moon is there you know the 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 things we talk about are kind of always just ways of getting to not talking to the end of of the conversation. Uh, they aren't really what we're there to do to me. Um, a lot of, a lot of Buddhist texts are this kind of like a question and response between like a monk and, and Buddhist teacher. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, well, Ian's been reading sort of this abridged version of the Shobogenzo, which is uh, Dogen's teachings, and mm-hmm. that's what they are. It's just some monk who is writing these conversations down. Mm. Um, and so Ian's always like, last night, Dogen said, because that's how they always start off. Uh-huh. They start off, last night, Dogen said, and you'll tell me what Dogen said last night, but... <laughs> Um, I'm wondering if like Dokusan is ever like those kinds of uh, stories with the the monks and the um, priests. Sure. Well, the what that's that format that's passed down in text is usually a public format, which we also do in our sangha. Yeah. Uh, and you know, getting up and asking a question, and getting an answer in front of the whole sangha has this whole charged dynamic of everybody listening and the reactions in the room and. Uh, you know, the sort of staged performance aspect of it. And traditionally, Dokusan is also like that. Tradition, especially in retreat, traditionally, Dokusan is very scary. You go, you're, you have to enter the private room where the teacher's sitting and you have to bow and sit down. And, and like, it has sort of that same charged quality. But that's not how, how FaceTime Dokusan is with our sensei, uh, though, Hopefully we'll move to doing it in person at some point soon and and at least some of the time. Uh, I don't know that. I mean, most people probably don't get that opportunity, but I feel like, you know, uh, from time to time I will be able to meet with him. Yeah, my Dokusan was face-to-face because like I said, it was during Sunday service. Right, right. And I could just go to him at the time we would normally meet probably. I think that 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 would be something he would be very happy to do. Uh, and so sure. then it then it might take up the take on this like boost of energy of of the uh, of the real face to face encounter. But what we're doing is really kind of having a phone call 
but in on on a certain level in in terms of the humor and the absurdity of the things we talk about uh it definitely has that quality at least it should you know i usually end up coming in and complaining about something in my life which is also often what i do with you <laughs> and then we and we but it leads us it leads us to a conversation about the real great matter and that's the thing i'm practicing with sensei all the time is is just connecting the you know the mundane things that happen to me to the real deal and i'm being really specific with you because i i want this to benefit someone who might have been thinking about doing it or mm -hmm. myself um, uh you know asking for a friend um <laughs> <laughs> okay my question is is like you said that you talk about like you complain a little bit about something that's going on in your life and i wonder do you frame that in a zen way or do you just straight up like the uh you know my daughter's keeping me up crying at night what's not zen about that way that's how i complain about it to you on here right <laughs> that's true i mean but we like in our conversations i do feel like we try to bring it's not hard mm -hmm. i'm not saying like it's a difficult task to do but we try to bring it the solution or our ideas or conversation back to a zen sphere yeah you mean in like an overt formal technical way vocabulary way like that like to make it talking about something zen you know like yeah what, what i'm getting at is like everything is the practice blah 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 okay well my question is what would be the difference between talking to sensei and talking to a therapist uh -huh. oh well it it does it it, it well hmm, wow actually that makes me stop and think harder about the question before answering it because that kind of did occur to me at the end of my time seeing the therapist last year and joining the sangha we talked about that transition a little bit on our episode devoted to therapy uh but basically what happened was i joined the sangha and started to realize that Zen practice was what I needed at the time, not therapy. So I, mm -hmm. I, you know, broke up with my therapist on that basis. I was like finding the kind of dialogue I needed in Dokusan rather than in therapy. So what was the difference? I mean, I think that the, uh, I think that the difference for me was that my, the ine inevitably the nature of the conversation in therapy was more self-centered. It was more about, I mean, I don't want to be uncharitable to myself. It was, it was about honoring and cherishing and taking care of the self who was suffering through talking about what it was like. Whereas with sensei, I am released from that sense of suffering from it by talking about it and, ha and, and letting it open it up effortlessly into talking about, all beings, life and death, you know, the, the, the entire soap bubble universe on which I am just floating on the surface, you know? So the, 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 the suffering and the, the turmoil of the individual situations that I come in with are really just single expressions, one blade of grass in the entire field of manifestations of what we're really talking about. So 
how does it get there? I mean, I could, I, I could bring that a little more down to earth by saying like what the, or trying to describe what the flow of such a conversation is, but it's like, I come in talking about my kids keeping me up at night and inevitably that leads me to talking about being tired, which inevitably leads me to talking about difficulties in Zen practice because of being tired. Uh, or if not Zazen, then some precepts related thing about just like not being able to keep my act together to be with my family or, you know, getting frustrated and, and, and raising my voice or, you know, whatever other behavioral things that I attribute in some kind of causal sense to being tired because my kids kept me up at night and through talking through that whole chain of stuff, I realize the, you know, impermanence and absurdity of all of the ideas that I'm linking together about all of these things and just let go of them. And suddenly, you know, we're not talking about my kids keeping me up at night anymore. We're talking about existence and, we often end up in similar places at, by the end of the conversation, even if we start from a bewildering variety of different places because of that process. And, and so, so maybe one other way of saying what's the difference um, between this and therapy is, is, that th- is that therapy holds on to one particular thread of what's wrong. And Dokusan, for me, uh, let's go of whatever's wrong. And usually what that means is that nothing was really wrong. You know, it's not, it, it's, it's a therapy of realizing that there wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is cool, but, but there are problems sometimes. And the, the, the conversation can sometimes just kind of turn into advice from an elder to a younger person when there is a real problem at hand. And that advice definitely also carries flavors of Zen practice and attitude, but doesn't have to have some kind of metaphysical lesson or, you know, spiritual like meaning it, it, it can just be about attention and focus and, and mood and sleep and, you know, embodiment and things that, things yeah. that help you along the way, which is, you know, not separate from Zazen. Why do you think that traditionally, you know, only a priest can give Dokusan? Mm. I mean, I think it's a really good rule, actually. Like, the because uh, the path is very dangerous for everyone. I mean, in fact... And this is something I feel like Sensei would probably say if he hasn't already said it to me, is that it's 100% fatal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, like, you have to be careful. And the a lot of the, a lot of the insurance of, of Dokuzan comes from just life experience that, you know, Sensei's 80 years old and I'm not, and so... He's seen some things that I have not seen or seen things many, many times that I've only seen once. And, yeah. and that just comes from experience. But then I think it's very important that these practices that we do that expose us to reality um, can have 
side effects and consequences that need to, that you do need to have personal experience with in order to know how to handle. But I think that you also have to be vetted in this exact way by other teachers to be sure that you're a stable and trustworthy enough person to, for another person to confide in you, uh, this way. And that's what the processes of, of, of taking, of, of becoming a priest, which is again, a word that we don't, that isn't really a Japanese word, you know, it's like a right. Westernization. Um, but that's what that process is for, is for making sure that this is a person who can be trusted to, to offer Dokuzan. And that doesn't w- always work, but you know, uh, I find in my encounters with Tayun Roshi that he, that his, that the experience that has been confirmed by the outward forms of Zen to him, like in him is genuine and I trust it. And have you ever done anything like Dokusan um, in Judaism? Oh, sure. It's very, very common uh, form in Jewish life uh, with all kinds of rabbis in all kinds of Judaism and in all kinds of roles. You know, the ra- the roles of a rabbi are very many and varied. There are lots of, there are rabbis in lots of different situations um, and they're all sort of available for that sort of thing. A lot, a big part of the job of a rabbi is, is counseling in as when people are going through things um, and, you know, uh, good, happy things, sad things, easy things, hard things, you know, meeting with the rabbi, every rabbi I know makes even like, even like, and I'm talking, you know, not, not entrepreneurial one. Well, she does too. My wife, my wife is, is making up everything as she goes along as far as what her career is. And she makes time for people in this way, but also like scheduled rabbis employed by synagogues also make time on their schedules and have like assistants who schedule meetings with congregants, uh, face to face to talk about issues like this. So yeah, I've talked to many rabbis about many things. I mean, would you talk to like, would you talk about a, about different things or? Well, I, I, I would talk, I, I, I couldn't, I don't, tr- part of the issue that, that it causes me to find myself in the situation in which I find myself in life is that I don't really get a lot out of talking to most Jewish religious people about spirituality. Uh, not all, like there are many that I, I have had some of the most profound conversations about spirituality in my life with religious Jews, but there are, it's, it's really a, like an individual basis. Like I need to know the person as a person in order to know whether that's going to be a conversation I'm going to want to have, you know, just being a rabbi does not qualify someone to be someone I want to have that conversation with. So I've had lots of bad conversations with rabbis about spiritual practice. And, and that is, uh, I, I do. And I don't think that's their fault. I think that that comes down to the just sort of constitutional differences in, uh, you know, most Jewish people and their spiritual practice versus me and my spiritual practice, you know, and I, and, and I just, you know, to say it simply, I need Zen practice. And that's not what most rabbis do. 
there are rabbis who have that experience with whom I have certainly interesting conversations about spiritual practice, but I, I tend to find them to be more on a sort of intellectual philosophical level uh-huh. parsing sort of differences and similarities. And it's interesting, but it's not the same thing as Dokuzan because I'm not talking to somebody who has seen what I've seen in Zen practice. Now, someone who has seen what I've seen in Jewish practice uh, is someone that I love to talk about spiritual practice with, but I've met very few Jews who have, which isn't to say there aren't tons of Jews who have. It's just that they're typically much more observant religious Jews than the people that I'm around. Um, so when I when I've talked to rabbis in a sort of in confidence in this one on one way, it has tended to be more about social things, relationship things, um, community mm-hmm. things which certainly have their spiritual importance and the, and the, and the role of spiritual practice and the divine presence and all kinds of other Jewish religious concepts is central to those conversations, but it's usually, it's about something and I need advice, you know, and that's, that's not, I don't need advice when I'm talking to sensei. I'm talking to sensei as a form of practice. Interesting. I I guess I, I didn't think about it that way. I always thought about it as like, uh, troubleshooting maybe on retreat it's different or even on a, in a one day like in the midst of long practice like you like you did it um you mm-hmm. know on retreats i have talked to teachers about my legs hurting you know as as like what what came up in dokusan i've had that exact conversation and uh actually really profound release has come f- in those retreats through those conversations by sort of getting an adjustment. It's like getting a posture adjustment. Uh, and I do think troubleshooting is a valid way of thinking about what Dokusan is. That doesn't make it not part of the practice, you know? Mm-hmm. There, there's trouble. It, you get in trouble in this practice. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta troubleshoot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just, there's all sorts of things that could that can happen. Like you were talking about, like delusions for one. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like a lot of people like get overly excited about some of the sensations or oh yeah things that happen while you meditate. And I mean, I'm only going to bring it up just as a you know an, as an example, of, but not to try to get excited about it. It was just like I was meditating for a while, and I really thought that I could stick my hand through the wall. i did i don't think i tried well maybe i did but no i don't think i did but i was like i think i think i could though (laughs) (laughs) and 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 that's something you would you would have liked to have talked to someone about no i don't think so um i i don't know what kind of value that sort of sensation mm-hmm. um holds to the practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well like the soto response is always nothing special right right you know and that and that can be really frustrating uh it's been I, i've gotten responses from sensei about that sort of thing that have been frustrating um not nothing as intense as what you're describing although i don't know i mean like it, like it, what i mean by that is it wasn't anything so definitive it wasn't it wasn't like a shift in understanding it was just a sensation or an, or like a wordless experience that I was trying to describe. Uh, oh, right. Right. But 
the there's a there's a there's a wink to that saying i've always felt nothing special like this happens all the time yeah you know like like there's something sly about it and once you've once it's happened enough times you get why that's funny and that and enjoy thinking of it as nothing special and that's the that's the place you want to get to with your teacher yeah like like. enjoying it without getting attached to it yes is part of the practice yes right yeah I, i i'm interested in why you're not doing it it's one of sensei's favorite things to do with people in our community uh, and and you see you expressed at the beginning you expressed some some reservations about what like what not knowing what to talk about or or and do do i need to come prepared in some way I, and, and I, i'm wondering if that's it or if there's more to it well there's a little bit of that i mean it's a part of it is just um scheduling sure yeah it's r- ridiculous i reschedule about on him constantly and it must drive him insane yeah, and um, you know, I just I, I would like to for sure, but I I struggle with my schedule as it is right now. Yeah, I guess some of the the difficulty of of working is is starting to um, show it, and it's usually because of scheduling conflicts. You know, I go to doctor visits every week. You know, that's that's kind of been a struggle to like make up the time for work. Mm-hmm. So it's you know work is very flexible about me just up and leaving if you know i'm not obviously there's no like client calls or important things to do but yeah uh we could schedule around it pretty easily but um yeah i'd the i'm just i'm just been struggling for a while with adding more things in my life even if they're positive yeah um just just because i i have sort of a a fear of having too much on my schedule because yeah. I'll get like kind of stressed out if I have too many things to do. Um, so it it's it's tough. I just know that if I'm going to prioritize Zen, then it is going to be in the form of of meditation. And I wish there was more I could give right now. Hmm. Uh, but I'm not I'm not there yet. And I always kept thinking, I kept thinking like, well, maybe when my bachelor's degree over is over, I'll be able to, to put more into Zen or maybe when my master's degree is over or maybe when I find a job or whatever. And like, yeah, those have all happened and I'm still feeling maybe like Maybe when I my kids graduate another... from high school, I'll have more time <laughs> from Zen. Yeah. I know the feeling. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I would... I would like to do um and that's that's an unfortunate it is part of our householder practice is Mm -hmm. finding the time to do all these things and keep up with our householder uh, responsibilities as well yeah i mean it's another one of these forms of monastic practice that is interesting to see translated into Householder life, Dokusan, I mean, that, you yeah. know, that would be a regularly scheduled thing in a monk's daily life. And, you know, what, which, which practices get translated out of the monastery into, you know, daily Western life and which ones don't is sometimes a, a practical matter uh, of what, which experiences can you recreate? 
but this one to me being so fixed in time because you have to schedule it with another person and you know they only Mm -hmm. have so much time in a day and you know it has it 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 gets rid of some of the ambiguity to me of personal practice the idea of personal practice and and so it makes it easier for me to try and fit it in but another thing that it does that's really important to me is that it 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 disabuses me of the notion that I'm on my own here you know on on some mm-hmm. level that is the message of Dokusan is like you're on your own <laughs> you 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 uh you I'm not I can't like hold your hand through this like you have to do it yourself but that being having someone there to tell me that is a that that is that is enough to feel like I'm supported that I'm that I'm part of uh something in a, in the social sphere you know sensei's got his his four spheres the you know the personal the social the societal yeah. universal whatever it is the moving zen out into th- those middle ones of being in relationship to me is a really critical part of bridging the gap between householder existence and this radically personal thing that happens in zen life and dokusan is one certainly of several things that we might call sangha practice that do that that create that bridge but it's it's really critical for me because it's the person who says to me you have time to be a human being in the world and also to do zen practice because look at me i did it right and mm-hmm. and and that's that's i mean he talks about he talks about the like being a Zen priest as a retirement option. That's his like vocabulary for it is like, it's something you should do after you have a whole life and career. Uh, and that's what he did, but he had the Zen practice all the while. Oh yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing that, that I, that's, that's how, that's why I benefit from Dokusan with him so much is because he wasn't living in a monastery. He was living life. And, you know, he, I mean, he said he says this all the time, and I actually I think I've said this on the show before. But he talks about people who feel really super guilty about missing Dokusan or or not being able to come, and he and he says you're still having Dokusan with me. You're just you know you're having it by yourself, and because you know it's it's like that's it's like that Zen story about the monks carrying the woman across the river in the rain, and the one says to the other, "How could you do that? You touched a woman like that's so yucky." And the other one said, I put her down. You're still carrying her, you know? <laughs> and uh, that is the relationship that I have with Dokusan now is like, he's around in this way that is there for me when I need him, when he's not really there, you know? And that's really worth it to, to make the time for me because it's, it's a gut check and a, and an ego check and all of these beautiful experiences that I have all by myself sitting on a cushion are reflected back in a way that I can see almost objectively as a result. So I can't solve your scheduling problem, but I can definitely say it's worth it. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia and the Silent Thunder Order. 
Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashou.